0: Well, greetings to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. What a blessing it is to gather with the Lord's people, even though we have to do it under these kind of constraints. We're blessed to know and understand the Word of God because the Holy Spirit has been given in order that we might know the things that are freely given to us by God. 1 Corinthians 2.12 So our study comes again from the book of James. Uh, We are reading chapter 1, and I'm sorry, chapter 2, And verses 14 through the end our previous study for last Sunday was the sin of partiality I hope you were able to see it or hear it or listen to it Uh, again maybe a second or third time Uh, today's study comes from the last part of chapter 2 faith without works is dead and I may take a little bit longer introduction because of the profoundness and the scope of this subject of faith and works and the distinction between the two, the purpose that God had in both faith and in works, and how it relates to our preaching the gospel, how it relates to our growth as a believer, and of course, how it relates to our being mature and, as Paul says, perfect uh, in the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to look at those and many other things today as we try to consider what it is that God wants us to um, to communicate, and we have this wonderful, <laughs> sorry about that, um, I had not turned the microphone off, so that's uh, that's the problem, so we're back to that, okay, I'm reading from verse 14, James chapter 2, I'm reading from the King James Version, what does it profit my brethren, though a man say he has faith, and have not works, can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, notwithstanding you give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, that Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works and I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect? And the scripture has fulfilled, which said Abraham believed God, and it was um, it was counted unto him or imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. You see then how that by works, a man is justified and not by faith alone. Likewise also. Was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Let's pray together. Father, we're grateful to you for these amazing passages. We thank you for James who wrote to uh, believers and perhaps even to uh, those who didn't understand believing uh, so early in the uh, history of the book of Acts, and significant and important lessons were taught to uh, those who followed the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to learn the same lessons, even though we have far more revelation than James was able to give to those early believers. May we grow in grace in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. May our faith be increased in the circle of confidence grow considerably as we study your word today. Thank you for meeting with us. Thank you for giving us your Holy Spirit to teach us so many things and to uh, draw our hearts and minds to look at the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you that he was perfect in every respect and now has taken up his residence in us in order that uh, we might live as he lived and love as he loved. We offer you our thanks and bless your name through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. What a wonderful subject is the word faith and works. And so it's impossible for us in half an hour to digest what is on my heart and my mind. And so we need to ask some basic questions. There are five things that I would like to look with uh, at uh, in these chapters. In this chapter, first of all, the meaning of faith. What does the word faith mean? And we have four different aspects or uh, applications of faith recorded for us in the scriptures and then the message of faith what is the message that we're sending out when we ask people to exercise faith in the word of god or in the lord jesus christ and then the me- measure of faith how much faith do we need is a, just a little bit like a a seed a mustard seed enough to save? Or does it have to be a special faith? Does it have to be a special gift of faith? And then the marvel of faith helps us understand that God has given to us a plan for the exercise of our faith in every circumstance of life, whether we're an old, old person in their 80s or a young child who simply understands that they are a sinner and need to believe the gospel uh, and place their faith on the Lord Jesus Christ. And then Finally, the manifestation of faith. Those are the words we'd like to get through. We may hurry at the end, because I think a number of questions need to be asked. When I have the opportunity to teach in a Bible college, which often takes place in in India and in other countries, uh, South South Africa, I ask them a question. I say, why did God choose faith as a means of salvation? Now, what you know and what I know in our understanding of the Word of God is that God did choose faith. That is assumed in our chapter. All that James says in this part of this chapter assumes that God chose faith as a means of salvation. But then you know as well from this that there are those people who choose to demonstrate works and they try to do things that seem right in society seem satisfying uh, to themselves and so they put their efforts into works and believe that god as an honest and just god will weigh up the works which you have done and if there's more good than bad well then you will be able to go to heaven and so it's important for us to answer a question why did god choose faith as a means of salvation and i enjoy asking that question and Were we to be in front of each other and be able to do it as a group of students and I, with the responsibility of teaching, I would ask the question, why did God choose faith as a means of salvation? He could have chosen anything. He could have chosen works as a just God if he chose to say, you must do these works in order to be saved. God could do that. God is sovereign. Whatever he does is right doesn't mean that everything is foreordained, but it's foreknown. And so when we ask that question, we must have a theological and a biblical answer. And I wish you, was in, you were in some of the classes I've had as a teacher, perhaps in India, a group of uh, students, and I would ask them, and one student would finally uh, raise their hand, they would stand up, I would call on them, and they, I would say, why did God choose faith as a means of salvation? And he said, well, there's another question. Uh, Why is it that man has the capacity and ability to do something for God? And the question is, why faith? And we must ask the question because that is an important question. I could ask you um, another question, and perhaps we ought to open that one as first. Why is man lost? That is another question that I ask students when I sit them down in a class when we're studying the doctrine of salvation. Why is man lost? Not why does man need Christ, but why is man lost? And some student will stand up and raise their hand and say, I say, call on them and say, why is man lost? And they would say, very simply, man is a sinner. Because he's a sinner, he is lost. So I said, before you sit down, let me ask you a question. Are you a sinner? And he says, yes. I say, are you lost? And he says, no. And so sort of sheepishly, he sits down. So man is not lost because he is a sinner. He needs Christ because he's a sinner, but he's not lost because he's a sinner. And then some other bold student will raise their hand. I'll call on them. They will stand up and answer the question. The, the reason man is lost is because he has a sin nature. And we believe that man is born with a sin nature, with the exception of the Lord Jesus Christ, who was perfect in every way. And we receive this sin nature from Adam, and we all have it. And so I will ask him again, do you have a sin nature? he will say yes I say are you lost and he says no and so the class now wonders what have we been taught what have we believed all this time we have thought that people are lost because they're sinners and because they have a sin nature and yet the answers to both of those questions is man is not lost because he has a sin nature man is not lost because he's a sinner so then I ask, why did, uh why did God choose faith as a means of salvation? And so the answer, of course, is why is man lost? John tells us man is lost because he does not believe in the name of the only begotten Son of God. That's the reason. Now, many, many evangelists, and I'm not a gifted evangelist, but many evangelists will try and prove that man is lost because he's a sinner. But that's not true entirely. Man needs Christ because of his sin and because of his same nature. But man is lost because he does not believe in the name of the only begotten Son of God. That's what John says in chapter three. So then the second question is, why did God choose faith as a means of salvation? He could have chosen anything. And as we look at this, we realize that here is a profound question. And people will say, well, everybody has faith. And then the Calvinist will say, not everybody has faith. And so uh, that doesn't make it fair, at least in our system of jurisprudence. Why did God choose faith? And I would like you to go back to the Garden of Eden, because the answer is given to us there in the Garden of Eden. Let me say it to you first, and then I'll let you digest that. And I'll say it to you again, because some of you will raise your brow At me for saying it. Man died in the Garden of Eden by faith. Man sinned in disobedience to God by faith. You say, how can that be? Well, let me explain. Adam had the choice of believing or having faith in the word of God or in the words of the serpent, who, of course, was Uh, a vehicle for, for the devil, for Satan. If Adam died by faith, what did he believe? He believed the lie. You will find it throughout in the scriptures, the words the lie. And the lie is that you can be God without God. That's exactly what Satan said. You shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. You can be like God without God. The same message is being proclaimed by the same enemy. You can be God without Christ. I can list religions, and you can too. Eastern mysticism says that you can be reincarnated time after time until you become God. Of course, there are other religions that teach the same thing. So, man died by faith in the lie. That is a profound but a Biblical answer. He didn't die because of morality. He didn't die because of covetousness. He didn't die for any other reason except he had faith in the lie of the enemy. And when we understand that, then we ask, well, why did God choose that kind of faith? The answer, of course, is given to us by the Lord Jesus Christ in John 14. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. He is the truth. So man was lost by believing a lie, and now man is saved by believing the truth. The Lord Jesus Christ is the truth. He personifies truth, he publishes truth, he speaks the truth. There is no lie in him, there's no deception within him. And so salvation for mankind is the opposite of what happened in the Garden of Eden. Man died by faith in the lie. Man is saved by faith in the truth. Do you see? God shows faith as the only means by which salvation can come. And that is assumed in our chapter. Because when he begins to talk about faith and works, he presents to us the two alternatives, and there are many others, but those are the two primary ones, the two alternatives for pleasing God, for accepting God, for having God's blessing, to become a child of God, all the blessings that are ours in the Lord Jesus Christ. How are they ours? They are ours by being saved in and through the truth and so it is a contrast between the lie of um of genesis chapter 3 and the truth of the lord jesus christ the law was given by moses but grace and truth came by the lord jesus christ he not only spoke the truth but he is the truth he is what he gives and so that helps us understand this important thing So man is not lost because he's a sinner. He lost because he does not believe in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Man is lost because he doesn't believe in Jesus Christ or on Jesus Christ. He is is lost um, not because he has a sin nature, but because he does not believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we are told again and again, We see it in John chapter 16. When he has come, he will convict the world of sin. What sin? Of sin, because they do not believe on me. And so what we have as a basis for this amazing chapter is an understanding of this word faith and what it means. The word faith, I think, is found 10 times in, um, in this particular part. And we find that the word works is found 11 times and the word believe three times. We should spend some time on those things, and maybe we can glean that as we go through this, because it's very important for us to understand the foundation upon which James is writing. Remember that James is probably the earliest New Testament book, and it would have been somewhere in the book of Acts that... um, James, the brother of our Lord Jesus Christ, or half-brother, whatever you want to call him, uh, came to believe and to understand that the Lord Jesus Christ was not just simply a brother, but the Son of God, the Savior of the world, the King of the Jews, the Lord of the Church. And as he learned those things, he came to put his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and was uh, elevated to a position of authority in Jerusalem and uh, led the believers there it's instructive for us as well what we run across when we talk to people today we hear and just the other day i heard somebody come to me and talk about person a person who had believed the gospel and he said to me they came to faith and they expected me just to say oh that's wonderful i said to faith in what you see we've idea that we've come to faith but we don't put the object of that faith and certainly it's important for us to understand that the object of faith is the Lord Jesus Christ. There are many uh, objects of faith, which are not true. There's politics, there's medicine. We are going through a very difficult time. And I can tell you that the Center for Disease Control uh, has been publishing a lot of stuff. Nobody knows what to believe. Do you wear a mask or don't wear a mask? Shall we be distancing or not? Shall we let everybody get the virus so we're all uh, insulated from it? And so the word of God stands as the only source of truth. Now, what does it mean? What is the meaning of faith? It's used from beginning to end. The reference to Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. And there he was. And 40 years later, give or take, he offered up his son on Mount Moriah as a sacrifice uh, to God. And uh, that separation of four, uh, four decades in one place, it says, he believed God, and the other, he manifested that belief by obeying God and offering his Son. So there are four different aspects, four different, maybe we could call them levels. There is the agreement of him, and we see that in John three twelve and a few other places, that uh, the Lord Jesus said, if I told you, you wouldn't believe me. And so there were people that uh, believe uh, of him, And then there is in in, uh, verse 19, acceptance about him. There are two aspects of faith that are mentioned in verse 19. It says, thou believest there is one God. You do well. And, of course, the second part. So those are two separate views of what it means to exercise faith. One is the acceptance about him. And that is the Apostles' Creed, for instance. Think of how many people today throughout our, uh, our world, throughout our, our country, are standing up in their fancy churches with their stained glass windows and their pews and say, I believe, so forth, and they quote the Apostles' Creed over and over again. I believe this, I believe that. And most of them have no idea of what it means to believe the gospel and to put, place their faith on the Lord Jesus Christ and then thirdly also in verse 19 it says the demons believe and they tremble the devils also believe and tremble that's instructive isn't it it tells us there's no atheists among demons among the spirits throughout the world all of the foul fallen angels which are called demons or or devils all of them believe about God they believe in him Careful, careful, because it suggests to us that it is possible, like the demons, to believe in Christ. The devils believe and tremble. They await the day of judgment when they will be um, declared, uh, they will have to give an account of, of what they've done and why they rejected the Lord Jesus Christ. And then... There is what I call assurance on him. It's so instructive for us to realize the little details that are used, the prepositions that are used to help us understand that. Do you remember what it says in Acts 16, 31? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And that word on has the idea of moving toward. It means entrusting yourself to something and you go toward that source, that object of faith. And of course, it means that we move toward Christ. And of course, Christ has been moving toward us at the direction of the of, of God the Father himself. But we are responsible. And it's, it's underscored by John chapter two in verse 24. And just before chapter 3, in verse 24, it says that the Lord Jesus did not commit himself to them for he knew what was in men. The word commit is the same as the word believe. So it's important to realize that what we have in John 3, 14, 15, 16, those verses that are so familiar to us, the real emphasis is to believe on him. And the word on him suggests uh, disposing of ourself, of our future, of all the areas of life. Of course, the story is told of Blonde and the uh, tightrope walker who was strung a wire across the Niagara Falls and he went back and forth a couple of times. Then he took a, a wheelbarrow and then he put the, the bricks into the wheelbarrow and, and he went back and forth again and then he stopped in front of this huge crowd of people that had gathered and said, how many of you believe that I can carry a person across? And of course, everybody said, oh, yes, what a what a rousing agreement. And he picked out a little boy and said, well, get into my wheelbarrow. That little boy was as fast as he was uh, getting out of from from in front of that. To believe on the Lord Jesus Christ is to rest yourself on Him, for forgiveness, for sonship, for blessing and regeneration and reconciliation and all that God gives to us. We are to throw ourselves on Him, and there is no other place which we can throw ourselves that is as secure, that is so profound that it dramatically transforms our life in a moment. And then there is a continual changing of our life as that faith grows. And so to believe of him, that's probably the simplest thing many people believe. There are many religions of the world that follow Jesus. But if you were to talk to them about the Lord Jesus Christ, they go, well, not so. They are confident and completely accepting of the man, Jesus. But then they had the acceptance about him in verse 19. You're doing very well if you believe about him. And then you have the last part of verse 19, which says, The devils believe, and they believe in him, but they cannot throw themselves on Christ because there's no salvation for the demons or the fallen angels. And so then secondly, we look at the message of faith in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. We are reminded that salvation has been offered to us by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and that not of works, lest any man should boast. Our Calvinistic friends suggest that the gift there is faith. But uh, if you look at the grammar and you look at the, um, uh, the, 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 the feminine and the masculine, you can find that the only answer to that verse is the gift is salvation. We haven't time to go there. But then John chapter 15 and many other passages remind us that apart from the Lord Jesus Christ, we cannot do anything. And so the Holy Spirit is there convicting us of the sin of unbelief. That is the sin. That is what we need to preach the gospel. You need to trust the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe you're here this morning and you have believe about him or you believe of him. And maybe you even have a strong conviction in him as the demons do. But you've never thrown yourself completely unreservedly on him. And when you do that, he'll do more than blonded. He'll put you in your wheelbarrow and take you across that great chasm, and you'll be safe on the other side. It's such a blessing. And so the spiritual energy that's been given to us after we believe the gospel is Christ and Christ alone. And then thirdly, the measure of faith. What is it? Acts 16 Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and your house. You would have to look at the Greek uh, uh, grammar and the, the, the words that are used. See how many times the word on is used in the evangelistic message in the New Testament. But John 16, 31 says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Throw yourself on him unreservedly give all that you are and all that you have. And then it's not only for salvation, but then out of salvation. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 says, We should walk as he walked. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. We received him by faith. We threw ourselves upon him in dependence, and we're to walk exactly the same way. John 15 Reminds us of the same truth and then into sanctification out of that work of salvation Which takes the place of a moment is the transformation the sanctifying work of the Word of God John 17 7 Sanctify them through your truth your word is truth. We are not saved through works We are not sanctified by works. We are not uh, servants for the sake of works. And then, fourthly, there is the marvel of this faith. Many of us came to know the Lord Jesus Christ when we were children, and we didn't understand or appreciate all that God was saying to us. Our parents read to us. We went to the Sunday school, and finally, somewhere along in that journey, early in life, we placed our faith on the Lord Jesus Christ, we didn't understand all that happened on that occasion, but we realized it was simple. Again, Acts chapter 16, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a command. Paul calls it in Romans chapter 1, a command, the obedience of faith. He ends his epistle by saying the same thing, the obedience of faith. It is a simple command. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. It is a spiritual command, not of works, lest any man should boast. Our mind has to absorb that truth that I'm a sinner and that I am not in a position of believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. My mind accepts that truth. My emotions are stirred, perhaps by the judgment that is due for those who do not believe, and my will is engaged And I agree that I will be obedient to the truth, and I will believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. It is sufficient. And, of course, we are reminded that though Luther thought James was contradicting Paul, actually James was probably written before Paul. And when we find that faith without works is dead, it reminds us that the works which are often pushed, we are uh, talking about things that are very popular today. And it is significant because the transformation that takes place in a moment, that work that God does in taking me out of death and putting me into life, taking me out of darkness into light. You see, that's the work of God. It was true when we look at the manifestation of faith. The result is good works. We are told in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8, God is able to make all grace. All gifts abound toward you that you always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. The result of salvation placed in the Lord Jesus Christ and his taking up his residence in us results in a desire to good works because of what he's done, not to do works, good works, in order to obtain. That's the difference that this chapter is telling us and Rahab the harlot. She was saved. She was secured. She was, uh, she was in a position to glorify the God of Israel. And she preaches and still preaches the same message, that her good works were a manifestation of her faith. And it was God seeing both her faith in her heart and also seeing her good works. And then not only a manifestation of good works, but great works Abraham is brought before us. And in uh, we are reminded that he is the father of the faithful. Why? Because Abraham believed God and God counted to him for righteousness. Forty some odd years later, or th- almost 40 years later, God challenged him in Genesis chapter 22. Take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and offer him as a sacrifice. And so both Paul and James tell us that faith... That was what happened in chapter 15 of Genesis. Without works, that is Genesis chapter 22, is dead, being alone. And there are many people who are doing good works. You can take a list. The gospel of the kingdom that is still preached by many has to do with feeding the hungry and clothing the naked and healing the sick and educating the poor and casting out demons. Those good works do nothing To bring salvation. It is our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I begin by asking the question. Why did God choose faith as a means of salvation? Because man died by faith in the lie. And he is saved by faith in the truth. And why is man lost? You can be doing all these good works and still be lost. If you do not believe in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And so the work of salvation is a glorious work. We are reminded that we are to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. They came to the Lord Jesus. What might we do that we might inherit eternal life? And he said, this is the work of God that you believe and one whom he has sent Our Calvinistic friends think that that's all man has to do. Just lay down on the table and God opens him up and puts faith in or puts belief in my brothers and sisters. Remind. Let me remind you that man's participation, though not a meritorious work, is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's the faith that James is talking about in this chapter. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful to you that you have given faith as a gift to everybody, that we have a common faith, as Peter calls it. And there are many who have their faith placed in the church or in their good works or in many other things. But we realize that faith in those uh, those positions and those people are not sufficient for salvation. And so we take our faith off of things that are not uh, adequate objects and we place our faith totally on the Lord Jesus Christ. We do that by now if we have not done it before. We do it in complete submission and devotion to who the Lord Jesus Christ is and what he's done. Thank you again for reminding us that faith, true faith without works, cannot be, cannot even exist. True faith will always manifest itself in works as we see in Abraham and Rahab. Thank you for meeting with us and helping us, I guess, understand some of these difficult points. We give you thanks in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for joining us. I hope you have a wonderful week of living by faith and manifesting the works of God in your life and doing those things that would prove that your faith is real. Thank you very much.